joining us on the new bridge radio show you can also catch us online at newbridgeradio.com find us on facebook under new bridge radio show or follow us on twitter at new bridge radio now let's connect you with what's next Welcome back to the New Bridge Radio Show on WLTKDB Let's Talk. I am your host, Kevin Mackey, and we are connecting you to what's next in your life. And we're here to remind you that you are important to this world, and we are glad to have you along on this episode of the New Bridge Radio Show. Don't forget, you can find all your favorite WLTK hosts and shows on Facebook Live. Just type WLTK in the search and you'll find the station Facebook page. Don't forget to like and share with your friends. If you would like to get in touch with the New Bridge Radio Show, you can email us at thenewbridgeradioshow at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Let us know what you like about the show or if you would like to be our guest. We love hearing from people who have made the connection to what was next in their life. This week, a special edition of the New Bridge Radio Show. We're privileged to have our first guest from outside of the United States on the New Bridge Radio Show. We are creating a recording at a special time so we can have a lively conversation with our guest, Jane Tarrant. Jane is the host of Living More of a Life podcast and the owner of Link Breathing. The podcast seeks to create an awareness of knowledge and community. Jane believes that our lack of knowledge prevents us from being kind to others and ourselves. Jane seeks to challenge her listeners to think more sustainably and more inclusively and take control of the world we're living in so that we can be better prepared for what life throws at us and help those that are in need of our help. She broadcasts each week from Oxford, UK, and she has been very successful at finding outstanding and insightful guests who have contributed to this knowledge of community and compassion. Additionally, she has successfully launched Link Breathing, where she works one-on-one with clients to have awareness through breathing techniques. And she is with us this morning, and I want to say a special, a special welcome to Jane Tarrant. Welcome, Jane. How are you this morning? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> hey, um, so tell us a little bit about where you're calling from. So I'm in a place called Bicester, which is near Oxford in the United Kingdom. And it's uh, pretty much only known for its uh, high-end shopping uh, <laughs> all over the world. <laughs> it's a it's a whistle-stop tour place, but otherwise nobody knows about it. And um, just a lovely little town just outside. So yeah, that's where I am at the moment in, in my bedroom. <laughs> Oh, perfect. <laughs> so you're you're talking to me and I am coming to you from Bothell, Washington. And Bothell is on the west coast of the United States. We're near the Seattle area. And it is overcast and raining as it normally is. And probably everyone knows that Seattle is a rainy city. <laughs> or at least they have some idea. So I wanted to ask you, you have you ended up getting one of the most clever website domains ever. You Can up, I do it myself one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I first read your your profile, I'm like, that is so clever. What what made you what made you choose that domain name? It's actually quite funny because um, I bought the domain name well before I had any intention of using it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's quite interesting when people say, when did you start something or when did, you know, when did something happen? And I've realized that everything's really incremental. Uh-huh. And I guess I was always looking for something I'd be doing of my own. And I just really like the concept of um, self-learning, giving things a go. You know, I was big into sort of DIY and I've been doing up my house here with my husband for quite a few years. And that sort of concept of doing something yourself just really spoke to me, but I didn't understand yet how I was going to utilize it. And it's still a work in progress. The actual domain is the the same name as my limited company. And it's basically going to allow me to 
widen as I grow um, because it's so um, it's so apt for it, but it's not specific to a particular type of business or, or, or you know, realm that I want to follow. Um, so it's kind of a launch board um, of me learning and sharing that with others. Oh, perfect. How, how, how long ago did you launch that? Did you launch that site? Um, so I launched it in around about a year ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky to have a little bit more time on my hands than I normally have with right. a um, now two year old. <laughs> um, so she was one back then. And I just wanted to really utilize um, the site to share with others some of the stuff I was going through to um, use it as a way to grow myself and to connect with others in a way that I didn't yet have a way of doing so. Um, And the podcast was a real learning curve for me. I had never done anything like it. So to push myself beyond my comfort zone, I felt like it'd be a really good precursor to setting up my business and a really nice way to network with new people and, you know, get people talking about things that we don't often talk about. personally love taboo subjects so um you know having a space that I can control that can actually allow us to talk about things like that was was really exciting um and it's just it's just um, a brilliant sort of learning space and hopefully somebody benefits from it exactly well you've got a great log uh, a blog and it is uh, the the photographs that you've taken have really been really great so in December on your blog something really exciting happened and you launched your own business. I did. Yeah. And tell tell us a little bit about it and how you got into it. Yeah. So um, I'd sort of been operating in it a little while before I launched it in, in December online. Um, but I basically had been exploring areas of my own health. And I had found that I'd really struggled with areas of my health for quite a long time. And in traditional corporate environments and and such like it's very difficult to look after yourself Um, and then as soon as you become a parent you've got that additional sort of strain that you didn't have when you were able to sleep when you want to or you know do what you need to do anytime so it was one of those ones where I started exploring every area of what I was doing to see if I could make small changes on a daily basis to kind of improve my overall health. And it led me to the fact that I was actually a mouth breather and that Mm -hmm. I'd been mouth breathing since I was a young child. And I've got photographic evidence of it. (laughs) Um, But I actually also remember uh, mouth breathing as a child thinking, my nose doesn't work properly. It's too small. I can't get enough air in. And I never really thought that there was a problem with that at the time. But uh, through the research that I've done, I've just become highly passionate about breathing and the the importance of how we breathe on our health and our performance and our ability to take on as much as we make ourselves take on these days. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just kind of growing from there that it was first of all an interest. Second of all, I did some courses in it. I taught myself how to actually um, how to train myself to become a nose breather from having not been able to really breathe through my nose very much or for, not for very long. Yeah, um, that, that, that's the part yeah. I'm really curious about, <laughs> Jane. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, <laughs> did you just, how did you start this off? Did you start it off just by mentally picturing, b- mentally being uh, aware of it? Or how did you start? Yeah, I mean, I always, for my clients, I always say, take the first week and just become aware. Mm-hmm. Um, because I often think that people try to make change too fast and mm-hmm. things take time. And the important part is to understand what you're doing and when you're doing it. So the first thing I did was just while I was listening to a podcast specifically about nose breathing, I just really tried to focus on nose breathing as much as I could within it. And because um, because I was at the point where my Uh, CO2 or my carbon dioxide tolerance was not high enough. Mm -hmm. I did struggle to breathe the entire time, but I did manage a lot of it quite quickly. Um, And it had actually been that I was probably more capable than I thought I was, but I had just got into really bad habits. Mm -hmm. And over time, I was able to recognize that I held my breath during emails, uh, if I was reading emails or writing Uh emails. Mm -hmm. Um, I held my breath when I was reading really intense things. I would 
get really out of breath and really tired in my legs uh, when I walked a 20 minute walk to pick up my daughter from nursery mm-hmm. and that that for me was pretty mental you know walking along with your husband and you know I'm 32 years old and I was struggling to walk at a decent pace um and I just thought this isn't this isn't right um I shouldn't feel like my muscles are just struggling to this point I'm not uh not really as fit as I used to be when I was younger but you know I, I'm slim and I, I haven't got a lot of weight to carry um so I would say that I should have been able to do a bit better than that and so over time I gradually trained myself through a a number of techniques that I have learned through my training um, and through self-learning as well. And with time, I've been able to check what I'm doing, adapt what I'm doing and force breathing uh, through my nose. And at times that's actually even meant taping my mouth up, which I now do. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You you were committed. (laughs) Yeah, I I tape my mouth at night, um, almost every night now. Um, And I have done for a number of months and that has transformed my energy levels um, in terms of how much energy I get from my sleep. Uh Um, and I also tape my mouth up when I do housework sometimes because I find that it's a very easy time to hyperventilate and get flustered and mouth breathe heavily especially if you're working with dust and things like that you don't really want to be breathing in all the dust Um, that's going to be much more likely to to kind of make you cough or or cause breathing difficulties so by making these very small changes, you can you can transform um, some very simple areas of your life without any effort. Um, and those are the bits that you do sort of what I call like offline, where you're not really thinking, you just shove the tape on and get on with it. But then there's the active side where, you know, when you're driving or when you're walking or when you're um, listening to somebody on a Zoom call, for example, how you breathe matters. And, you know, we, we can do every part of it throughout the day, but it takes time and you have to build very gradually. Yeah. Now on the days where you kind of slip back, do you notice a big difference? Yeah. So I, I um, track my menstrual cycle and I work very closely with that. That's something that I um, find is in, in very important for me in terms of assessing where I am, how that will affect my mood and how it will affect my breathing. So um, in the days prior to um, the the sort of menstrual bleed, that time is very likely for women to struggle with their breathing a lot more. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, you can hyperventilate much more easily and um, you can be much more anxious at that time. And it's one where I will put extra measures in place at that time or I will make real effort to go away from people, maybe take five, 10 minutes out of the the situation and actually lie down and do some breathing exercises, which on other days when I'm quite happy, I don't need to do. I just breathe well all the time. But when when days like that hit, yeah, I I utilize it to a point where I have to really focus on it. Oh, interesting. So let me ask you this question. So have you had to use like any kind of nose wash or nose sprays or a neti pot? I've never used anything like that. Um, I don't have an opinion on them because I don't know enough about them. And I think that truthfully, the fact that most of us are breathing badly most of the time, whether it's mouth or nose or, you know, holding our breath or coughing or sighing or yawning or whatever area of dysfunctional breathing we often have. um, I don't think that we know enough in general about the nose right <laughs> in a I, sense of, so so to then start putting things up it i'm sure that there are things that potentially are safe but you know i know that um from what i've learned utilizing stuff within your body that is not natural shouldn't be needed it, um you, you know what's we, you know i'll tell you this that's weird uh uh we had a guest on our show called a pediatrician called dr hannah solomon and she's older and she invented a nose wash for children <laughs> um, and it's and it is the she came on and it's basically a saline solution that just washes your nose yeah and it's kind of a plastic you know a plastic little thing and um <laughs> she she came on our show and she encouraged me to get this thing for nasal health this nasal wash product and uh, and um 
I tried it and I felt like I was being waterboarded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does make me think like anything I've ever tried to do with my nose has always been like, oh God, no, I don't want that up there. Um, it doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things that I I realize is a lot of people struggle because they feel blocked in their nose. Right. And so someone would naturally think, oh, I should flush it. I should, you know, do something mm-hmm. like that. But um, in the same way, we try and flush our guts out and things, which we really probably shouldn't do either or vagina sorry to mention the word but you know all these things that are not meant to be flushed (laughs) um we try and flush right (laughs) Right. so um so our nose is very very um clever it does an amazing job at at filtering uh, bacteria viruses uh, particles dust you know whatever in the air and if we're not utilizing that properly then obviously we're going to struggle and we can become congested. And the interesting thing is that you can find that one nostril can be more congested than the other. And um, there's research to say that there's, it can be um, corresponding to where we are within our nervous system. Mm-hmm. So um, there are some people that sort of say, well, when you're relaxed and calm, like when you're kind of trying to go to sleep or something, you might find that your left nostril can breathe more easily and you have a natural congestion in your right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas when you're more stressed, you're more likely to be breathing more clearly through the right and less through the left. Um, But we can also just be congested overall. And there are actually very simple tricks that you can do, which I'm very happy to share if you'd like me to, Um, which is when you have a congested nose, we can utilize breath holding in order to clear it. Now, Mm -hmm. I must say that in pregnancy, it's not recommended to do long breath holds. Mm -hmm. um, And also anybody who with extreme um, uh, conditions, heart conditions, diabetes, et cetera, you may want to check with doctors before you do so. But um, if you're of good health and you're not pregnant, um, then what you can do is breathe in normally through your nose, breathe out normally through your nose, and then clamp your nose shut with finger and thumb and keep mm-hmm. your mouth closed and relax. The relaxing is really important. So when you do that, you relax and you hold it for as long as you can up to around 30 seconds. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of people will struggle to hold their breath that long. Um, and that's due to our carbon dioxide tolerance not being at the right level. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can become sort of overly sensitive and therefore that makes us want to breathe sooner we feel like we need more air but actually it's just a buildup of co2 in our system that triggers an automatic response um so if you can do it for up to 30 seconds great if you can't you do it as long as you can and then you let go and breathe in because you've just held uh, the co2 and the nitric oxide which your nose makes and that actually widens your airways as well as your blood vessels so that that co2 especially so when you hold your nose you're actually allowing the co2 and the nitric oxide to widen the area and it helps naturally flush the mucus down your throat oh wow so and it doesn't matter whether you're lying down standing up slightly upside down your body is naturally designed to flush this um but because we often overbreathe, hyperventilate and um don't utilize our nose and therefore won't be creating the the nitric oxide that's created in our nose we find that actually we can get very congested very easily and then you add that negativity of of how we're breathing to pollen pet hair being too hot, um, our narrowing of passages um, through not chewing enough when we're children, um, not sort of not eating foods that make us chew in particular. Um, there's research to say that breastfeeding can help uh, form the the face better and strengthen the face better because of the effort, just like chewing. So you know all these little things that we're doing from childhood make a huge difference up until our adults. Um, exactly. Time, yeah. Well, I'd like to uh, ask about more tips when we come back. We're going to have to step away for a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors, but we will be right back on the New Bridge Radio Show. New Bridge Radio, connecting you with what's next. Ever wanted to host your own radio show? If your answer is yes, then the time to act is now. 
WLTKDB Let's Talk is now accepting new programming more affordable than ever. You create the show idea and we'll take care of the rest. Not only do we create your program intro and provide broadcast training, but also syndicate you to popular outlets like Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. You get all of this starting at 100 bucks per month. Three packages to choose from and built to make your wallet happy. Contact us at WLTKDB.com with your show idea and let's bring your dream to life. All topics accepted and you have full rights to your program. Contact us today and reserve your spot on WLTKDB Let's Talk. What are you waiting for? Let's do this. You are a beautiful, shining, confident light. The New Bridge Radio Show. Even your Virgo friends will like it. You are confident and everything is going your way now. You have the courage to be who you really are and share your truth with the world. Welcome back to the New Bridge Radio Show on WLTKDB Let's Talk. We are talking with our special guest, Jane Tarrant, and we're talking about link breathing. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating how our breathing can actually affect our overall health. And you were just giving us some tips, Jane, about breathing and holding our breath and that that can unclog congestion. And are there more, are, are there, are there a lot of health concerns that can come from improper breathing? I mean, yeah, I, I think it's linked to a whole number of, of health concerns. Um, I, I'm not medically trained, so I'm not going to pretend to to talk at a certain level. Um, but from the research that I've done and from the experiences I've had personally, I would say that you can link it to a huge number of health issues. Um, if you think about it in the sense of we really think about what we eat when we look at health, we really think about how we move and whether we do exercise or not. Not always enough, actually. We don't always think about whether we're moving in the right way and enough all through the day. Often we concentrate in these, oh, I'll get my hours gym in or I'll get my, you know, I'll eat my greens at 7 p.m. Right. once a week. You know, <laughs> as long as I do that smoothie once a week, I'll be fine. I can eat right. chocolate cake the rest of the time. You know, we're often very sort of focused on these these binge ways of uh, fitting in self-care. Um, mm. I don't really like to use the word self-care very much but effectively that's what we're doing and when we look at it more a case of what are we doing all the time it helps you to give a little bit more perspective and when we think about you know we eat three times a day but we're breathing tens of thousands of times a day so you know the amount of breathing we do is you know much greater than any movement we're doing and any anything we're eating and yet it's the one thing that in a number of medical trainings is not focused on at all mm-hmm. um there is a very small covering on it but you will you will meet um doctors who will literally prescribe an asthma inhaler and they might uh, give you a, you know, something for sleep apnea to wear, um, like a CPAP or something like that. And they'll have their regimented ways of dealing with things, but they won't actually have a f- full understanding of what somebody could do for themselves all the time. Um, but then again, you've got to recognize that a lot of people are trained nowadays to think about health in, I'm not in good health. I go to the doctor, I expect a pill. I'll be better. Exactly. And, the truth is that health isn't like that the truth is that health is literally like you are constantly constantly adding every minute of every day to it or you're taking away from it and if you are breathing in a really healthy way you're eating in a way that's you know varied and and getting a a load of different nutrients and um, feeding lots of different gut bacteria and doing all the things that you need to be doing and then you're moving like you know every 15 minutes you're getting up from your desk and you're moving around and you're doing natural movement crawling or whatever things that you don't normally do 
you'll be in much better health than you would be if you just, you know, binge a little bit of, you know, salon care or um, some great food occasionally. So um, when we are looking at how we breathe, we need to think about what is it showing up for us in symptoms mm -hmm. and how can we recognize that we may not be breathing well because most of us haven't got a clue. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a really good example. I'm going to ask you, I can't see you right now. So um, how are you breathing right now? So I am. So bef before we, I came onto this uh, broadcast, we have a uh, spring here. So we have a lot of pollen and I'm really susceptible to allergens. Mm -hmm. And so I find in the, in the spring and fall is always the time I'm going to be a big mouth breather because <laughs> okay. I feel congested from, uh, you know, all of the pollen. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, spring is always sometimes torturous for me because right now everything is blooming and we have cherry. So I go into sneezing fits, uh, multiple times a day in the spring <laughs> yeah and and when you're breathing uh as a mouth breather mm -hmm. are you breathing into your high high up in your chest you know if you are is your are your shoulders moving towards your ears is your chest moving if you put, put your hand above your breast uh breastbone and if you had your other hand on the upper part of your abdomen you know which hand is moving when you're breathing is it your nice diaphragm um, moving outwards with your lower ribs moving outwards, or is it your upper body sort of raising and falling? Uh, it's definitely my upper body. Yeah. And so when somebody notices this, they might notice that they've got tension, especially around the front between their shoulders and, and sort of below their neck, mm -hmm. um, in the, in the neck and the upper shoulders as well. And in the upper back. Um, that's quite common because what we're doing there is we're utilizing our accessory muscles to breathe. Whereas the ideal way of breathing is, first of all, the nose is much better linked to the diaphragm. So when you breathe your nose, you're more likely to be breathe potentially a bit better mm -hmm. in terms of where you're breathing into. But the diaphragm itself should be plunging downwards on the in-breath and allowing that, drawing that air down into uh, the bottom of the lungs. We should have a very, very still upper hand when we breathe. It should be literally not moving when we're breathing at rest. Oh, that, that does make a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. And when you do bring it down and you slow it down, mm -hmm. you're able to feel calmer and less anxious. If you think about now, if I made you think, oh, I'm in danger, hyperventilate, you'd suddenly go, <laughs> you'd breathe through your mouth, you'd breathe fast and you'd breathe high up in your chest. You'd be literally shaking your upper body. Whereas if I was asking you to kind of gently have a massage and go to sleep you'd be you'd start to sort of really relax down you'd be lying down most likely which makes it even easier to focus on breathing down into your diaphragm and our diaphragms just basically get really out of practice like when we haven't exercised for years and our legs are like oh gosh you know that's a bit difficult um, and we just don't know how to use the range of motion because we've trained ourselves out and that can be through a number of things like body image. We want to suck our tummies in to look slimmer. Uh, it could be we're using really tight-waisted jeans or trousers, um, pants, I'm guessing it was called over there. Um, <laughs> right. um, you know, it could be that we're wearing corsets if we're really into that kind of thing. Um, you know, there's a number of things or belts around our waist to make a, us look stylish. You know, all these different things can affect where we're breathing and we don't even realize um so when you then go to you know a party maybe you're a little bit nervous about being in public with lots of people maybe you're not that outgoing you're suddenly wearing this party dress which is restrictive or like guys you might be wearing you know something a little bit tighter than you normally wear and you can very easily see how somebody would start to struggle in a situation become more anxious because their breathing is restricted they're then breathing sort of faster and higher right. which then exacerbates anxiety and become and they become sort of this you know self-fulfilling uh, fulfilling prophecy so um it's that awareness when you step in you go right how are you breathing somebody goes oh okay i can actively change how i breathe which can actively change how i respond which will actively change how i breathe mm -hmm. and that's the power that we have that we are not taught as children <laughs>
Exactly. So were you assisted from some other um, form of knowledge like yoga or meditation? Um, so I had done yoga here and there in the past, and I did a little bit more while I was pregnant and postpartum. Um, and that was helpful to me to see that my body felt so much better with the stretching, etc. But I hadn't yet recognized the difference from the breath. And I was still breathing through my mouth, but it was slower. Um, so and the other side of the, this is the meditation. And I love the concept of meditation. I think that it's brilliant for health. I think the biggest problem with meditation is the word. It, right. Because when people hear meditation, there's an assumption as to how they should be doing it. So you've got the perfectionists of the world thinking they have to be sitting down still like sort of in a on position or something. And, <laughs> you know, people feel that they must look like the, the stereotypical version of that and that they must do it perfectly and they must clear their head. And there's so much sort of miseducation around the word that so people don't try it. And even I have found that I haven't fully bought into meditation in, if I saw, uh, you know, a kind of group on meditation, I'd be less likely to go for it. But right. I still actively do breathing techniques, which is meditation. It's just that I don't think of it in a way that it is meditation. I think of it as I'm going through my breath and my breath is all I'm concentrating on. And my breath is so simple and I can understand it and I can control it. And the fact that I end up meditating is great. Whatever. That is very clever. So, you know what, uh, Jane, I had a horrible time doing it myself. Uh, I found a, a psychic called uh, Sammy Gordon, who taught us um, like 14 years ago, taught us this meditation, this stone meditation. Okay. And she had been in Tibet and she learned it from a monk. And basically you move five stones and you just, uh, from one hand to the other in your breath, you it helps you keep track of your breath as you're moving the stones. And as you do the meditation, eventually you become uh, unaware of the stones. You just, you know where to place them, you know where they should go. And yeah. it does something really weird in your mind. It makes your mind really super duper sharp. And uh, it brings you very, very uh, present. But most of that probably is coming from the, uh, the awareness of breath and being um, in that moment and uh, using that probably more so than the stones. It could yeah, be. I think it, whatever helps you focus is really important. So I provide um, sort of techniques to my clients and these are techniques that you could read a book and do it yourself. There's nothing complicated about what I teach. The point is when to do them how often to do them and which ones work best for you based on what your situation is. So when somebody's looking at, well, actually I've noticed I'm mouth breathing or I've noticed I hyperventilate or I notice I'm anxious. I've got IBS. I don't sleep well. I'm restless. I get brain fog. Um, some people have sexual dysfunction. Um, you know, it can be a whole range of things. Um, you could find that you're getting sort of pins and needles um that could be lots of other medical things as well that you'd want to check out check out but things where people are getting something that suggests that oxygen oxygen isn't getting to the right place or that there is a disconnect in um the sort of gut brain axis um the kind of vagal nerve um area of our body which can affect everything throughout our major organs this is when we start to think rather than starting to take a pill or you know, obviously you can go for talking therapies and things as well if you've got anxiety, but rather than just doing one thing, why not think about what you can do in addition or alongside or just in general? And exactly. that's that's where the breathing is so powerful. So uh, one of the things uh, with regards to the brain feeling clearer that you mentioned and a bit more focused on what you're doing, by slowing your breath down, or doing small breath holds in a controlled way where your brain knows it's happening and it's not a sort of email <gasps> uh, <right>. holding sort <laughs> of way, um, you know, not a, not a stress-inducing way, but a calming way, um, <laughs> and doing the right one to the right people at the right time. Um, by doing those, you're able to basically get the oxygen that's already in your body to where it's needed. And would you like me to basically explain this in very basic science in a way that's like really visual? Yes, yes. 
Yeah. So effectively, if you imagine that you've got your breathing in and you're breathing in oxygen as part of the air that you're breathing in, we want to keep that oxygen in the body and we create a waste gas of carbon dioxide, CO2, and we breathe that out as a major part of what we're breathing out. The exact numbers don't really matter here. When we are thinking about breathing as uneducated people, which we all are pretty much, because right. none of us have been taught it to, at school. Yeah. Um, we basically are thinking, oh, I need more oxygen. When I need to breathe is because I haven't got enough oxygen. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case in most of the case. So um, if you were to put like a finger pulse oximeter on your finger, like they do in, you know, whatever you've watched on TV or when you're in the ambulance or if you're just having your obs done, you will find that you're between like 95 and 99% on on your oxygen in your body most of the time, unless you've got like COVID or something else. Right. Uh, And so your oxygen's there, it's in your blood. The problem is it's not getting to the brain or to the muscles. So you remember that time I said I was struggling to walk Mm -hmm. as without having that sort of fatigue in my muscles. Mm -hmm. So The thing I changed was I changed my breathing to nose breathing and I changed my breathing to slow breathing. That's all I changed over a number of weeks. And I kept up the same sort of irregular walk to nursery. And what it did was it allowed the oxygen that was there to be released into my muscles better. And it does that because by breathing slower and by breathing less than we normally do, we're able to hold on to the CO2 that little bit longer before it's expelled out of our body. When we hyperventilate, sort of, <laughs> we're throwing out the CO2 too quickly. Mm. So what happens is the CO2 is what helps the oxygen get into the brain and into the, into the uh, muscles, for example. So if we imagine it like you've got a blood vessel and you've got three double-decker buses think imagine like london buses you know we've seen those so three double-decker big red buses going down and that's your hemoglobin and your oxygen is on those buses and it gets to the brain or to the muscles and it wants to get off now if there's plenty of carbon dioxide still in your blood then the carbon dioxide basically allows those doors to open and all three buses, because the carbon dioxide widens blood vessels, allows them all to get to the destination side by side. So it, you get loads there and they all get off. And then the carbon dioxide gets on the bus, it goes back to the lungs and then expels out. So when you reduce the amount of carbon dioxide in your body in general, you're, so you suddenly got a restricted blood vessel. So you've got one bus behind another stacked up. So they can't get there as quickly. And then when they get there, the, the doors don't open fully. They're a bit like jarred or one door opens and not the other. And so not all the oxygen gets off and then not all the carbon dioxide can get on. And then they go back around to the lungs. So that oxygen that was sitting there ready on that bus, ready to get to your brain or to your muscles, it's there. You breathe in enough oxygen. You're not at high altitude, mm-hmm. but you can't get it to your muscles in your brain. Uh, to your, yeah, you can't get it where you need it because there's not enough CO2 because you've been hyperventilating and overbreathing and getting rid of that. And that's the issue that we have most of the time with our breathing. But I like that explanation. <laughs> it's cool, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very visual. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's what people need to learn. They need to learn these things. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, before we the hour ends, I definitely want to ask you some questions about your podcast. Do, yeah. So I know that uh, I know how difficult it is to create a podcast. <laughs> it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of work. So what what was your what inspired you to create your podcast? I think I was looking for something creative to kind of do. So I wanted to learn, but I was just feeling very creative in myself and I wasn't quite sure what to put it into. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that my brain races quite a lot and I've Mm -hmm. got a lot of things coming in and I find it easier to talk something out than I find it to write it down. Right. I was enjoying writing things down in terms of like a blog content, but I thought it's almost too slow for my brain to process. Um, And you don't get the benefit of tit for tat and chit chit chatting with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So the podcast just kind of came about through a, this is a great way to to have conversations and to get my message out if I feel that I need to spill it out, even if it's just myself and I don't 
you know, put it out there. Right. <laughs> um, sometimes that's, I do that a lot just to talk to myself, just to be able to go, right, get it down. I'll listen to it three months later and review it because that's, you know, how I was feeling then. And the podcast itself, you know, I had to research how you do it and buy all the equipment and all that. And one of the cool things was that um, one of my friends who, who works in a, um, a kind of... Uh, that she works with a load of entrepreneurs and they provide courses and she called me one day and she said um would you be able to help me get an idea of what I'd ask somebody if I was going to have somebody come on and teach our entrepreneurs how to start a successful podcast and I sort of explained it to her and she just said um I've spoken to my my colleague and we think you should do it you, you you explained it so clearly I understood it and you've just done one and I literally ended up launching mine and literally within a week I gave a talk on how to launch one and I thought the funny thing about a podcast is there's so many bits and it's such a learning experience that somebody who's been doing it for a year or two and is seen as an expert probably can't remember what it's like to start it exactly so I remember when I started the new bridge radio show I had a co-host a, a brilliant co-host and we didn't have any clue what we were doing. <laughs> we just decided, hey, let, let's do a podcast where we're connecting people to whatever might be next for them. Like for at that moment for us, it was you, we're both the uh, Reiki uh, healers. And we were like, wouldn't it be great if we had a platform to uh, talk about healing and talk about um, health or talk about people who are struggling to find out what's next in their life? And uh, we we didn't we said we'll we'll let ourselves make any mistakes we need to make and we were kind of struggling and uh i had gone through culinary school and so i was always used to writing everything down on uh note cards so that's kind of how our show started i started writing everything down on note cards (laughs) this is what what our show will be and that's and that became the new bridge radio show (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a learn as you go. So in your uh, creating your podcast, what what have you found has surprised you the most? I think that I thought I'd have to plan everything. I thought uh-huh. I'd have to know exactly what to ask people. And I thought I'd find that I'd get nervous. And actually, I did a couple of in-person ones with people I know well and one I re-recorded anyway and the other one I've never launched um but it got me into the idea of using it and doing it with people and then since I actually did them remotely because we've had to obviously um I found that it was fine I just all I did was make sure I checked the sound before I recorded so I would log on for two minutes chat to them log off check the sound and if I was happy with that I knew that the hardest part of the whole podcast was over right. <laughs> um, was just the sound quality and whether we were at the same level. And then after that, I just thought, you know what? I want this to be calm and natural and I want them to feel natural. So I don't want to send them a load of questions. I don't want to think about the questions in advance. I just want to see where it goes. And worst case scenario, if it's a flop, it's a flop. We just right. re-record or I record with someone else. So I think it was that I thought I'd be more of a control freak about it because I would be freaked out and be anxious. But actually it's been a really liberating experience to just go it's okay not to know exactly what you're going to ask just have an idea of why you like that person in the first place and use that gut instinct yeah and you know what did you find yourself over preparing a lot (laughs) in the beginning um I didn't I didn't because I very quickly realized that I just wasn't interested in in over preparing I found I I did five questions with the first two people I recorded with in person and Mm -hmm. that was helpful just for me because I'd never done it before and beyond that, I just thought there's there's no need to over prepare. I just chat to the person for a couple of minutes just to get them warmed up. And I expect that if I want to cut off the first five, 10 minutes of the podcast because they're still nervous, then that's fine. There's no crucial questions. So it doesn't matter if I lose a little bit of it. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I over prepare. I usually on the weekends. So what changed for our show is we went uh, live on WLTK. We were a podcast before, and then when we went live, um, 
it took a lot of convincing from my producer Todd Bates <laughs> to put me on the air because I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I have social anxiety. There's no way I'm going to be able to do a live radio show. And he's like, Oh, come on, Kevin. It's it's easy. You'll like it. You know, it'll be nothing. And the very first time I did it, I was so incredibly nervous. I thought I was going to freeze up. Yeah. <laughs> not be able to do anything and not be able to talk, but it ended up it ended up going <laughs> I think that's the hardest thing is when something's live and you've got no control over what happens um, exactly for, for me I'm able to be completely relaxed because I know that I don't outsource any part of my podcast so I I controlled all of the editing if I feel that there's an area in there that we just went completely off track or is inappropriate I can cut it out so exactly. I think that's it's really brave doing live stuff um, <laughs> right. and you know when you start to have questions asked of you, it's a very different story. Um, although because I've now done so many of my own today, I feel quite relaxed when normally I think I wouldn't have been, I'd have probably been sitting here getting all hot and flustered. Um, you know, potentially my guts would have gone all, all, all funny just before, you know, right. that's quite normal for people when they have something that's so intense at, at one time. Um, and I think that the more you expose yourself to something in a gentle way, in a way that you feel capable, the more you can gradually get towards something you want to do in life. Right. Um, one of the things that I, I just remembered from my childhood was I always had a fear of public speaking and acting. Mm -hmm. And when I was in my last year at school, I was um, lucky enough to be able to be at a brand new school, which was scary as hell. And there were uh -huh. 600 peoples. And I went up to the chap who used to do the assemblies in the morning. It would be like 15 minutes. To, he would stand up in front of everybody in the school and we'd, they'd talk about something. And everybody else had kind of given up. All the other teachers didn't really want to do it. And students never did it. And I just said to him, do you mind if I take an assembly one day? And mm. he was like, yeah, sure. And I was just like, I was so scared. I was so petrified. And I, but I thought, if I don't do this in a place where I'm never going to see these girls again, probably, right. <laughs> um, you know, once I've gone from here, like, it's okay. Um, I thought, if I don't do it now, I'll probably never be able to do what I want to do in life and work in the way that I want to do it. And I'd love to do public speaking a lot more. So it, I'd, I'd spoke for 15 minutes in front of 600 people. And I just thought, that was the most scary thing ever, but I did it in a way where I thought, well, I was okay with the parameters of how much I was stretching myself. It was, you know, I was standing there read, sort of saying the speech that I practiced and practiced and practiced for three days before. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, I'm doing this. Right. <laughs> and I was, I could hear, I was nervous. My voice was awful. I would never have wanted to record it. But the point is I did it then because I knew that one day I'd want to do it properly and I wouldn't want to be in that situation. And then Perfect. So what was the response? Did it, did you have a great response? Yeah, I mean, it was quite funny, actually. There was one person um, who, it was a girl in my year who I'd never, ever spoken to. And she walked up to me um, just in, in the corridor uh, later on that day. And she just said, I think it's really impressive what you did today. Nice. And that was, you know, it was just one of those things where you think somebody who you quite respected, but you'd never really had the chance to speak to them for them to turn around and actually bother to come and talk to you. I just thought that was a, a really nice point. And the teachers were very impressed that I'd done it. And I was suddenly in a school that I wasn't known in, having come from a school I was well known in. You know, it, it, I guess it put me on the map. People knew who I was. Exactly. Were you more popular? Um, I don't really use the word popular. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was... Uh, I was I was known uh, I, I ended up becoming the head of the charity committee which we used to have little committees for things there uh -huh. and so I was seen on a regular basis for like quick pop-ups in the assemblies after that but I do think that it just people knew who I was that didn't know who I was before and I never utilized that um, but it's nice to not feel like you're unknown when exactly you're, when you're used to being somebody who everybody's seen and talks to exactly so in the time we have left uh, in your podcast, who has been your favorite guest? Ooh, I don't really have favorite guests. Um, but one of the guests who I have found highly inspiring um, was Bex Gunn, who is actually my second cousin. And we hadn't <laughs> spoken for a number of years. And I got in touch with her because she was very unfortunate and she actually suffered a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. um, which is obviously a very difficult topic to talk about. Right. But I really 
admire her because she went on to write something in a, a paper in the UK about it. And she had so much response um, for, to it that she set up a, a Facebook group and then they're now setting up a charity and there's a huge um, podcast uh, called The Worst Girl Gang Ever. <laughs> and they, which is incredibly named as well and they have created this huge support they've had over 10,000 downloads oh, in the wow. time that I've had only just over a thousand and something to mine so you you would not believe the hidden communities that are needed and I love awareness um, right. as, you, as you know from my podcast so to have such a sensitive topic uh, which can really um, change someone's life to have to have created uh, something for her where she could sort of help herself heal but support all these other people alongside um another lady she's connected with through it they they've gone on to create amazing things and i think that someone like that is really inspiring because it takes very difficult things in life sometimes to propel right. us to do amazing things exactly exactly that's a great that's a great outcome <laughs> yeah so, so in the in the moments that we have left here uh Jean, can you remind us your clever website again <laughs> thank you um so the podcast and the blog is on can i do it myself.com mm -hmm. and my breathing um business is called linkbreathing.com Sorry, mm -hmm. .co.uk. I apologize. Linkbreathing.co.uk. Um, and uh, yeah, both of those do have articles and blogs on and my contact details are all the same. I just have one email address. Well, it has been a treat having you here on the new Bridge Radio Show. And I am so appreciative of you taking the time to uh, log in and come and talk to us. It has been a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for the opportunity. And I, I hope that uh, it encourages people to find out a little bit more. Um, and I do also recommend the book uh, Breath by James Nestor, which I think that people will really enjoy if they read it and learn a hell of a lot about it from. Exactly. And uh, Jane has a list of books on her website, a reading list that is there that you can also take a look at. So that does it for us on the new Bridge Radio Show. Tune in next week. And if you would like to get in touch with the show again, just email us at thenewbridgeradioshow at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great week, everyone. <laughs>